The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Tonight you get to hear from the guy that is our newly anointed and commissioned Uh, mission coordinator. He is the guy that is making world deputation happen from here. We'll be leading us in missions as we go into next year. You guys all know who he is because he's been our student leadership coordinator the past year. He interned with us last year. He hails from the thriving metropolis known as the Inland Empire. That's called Spokane, Washington. Hey, please give it up for my friend, my brother, my trusted colleague, Chris Sherman. What an intro. Well, hello. How are you? Good. Um, As Ryan said, my name is Chris, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here tonight. Um, Just a little background on me. I'm from Spokane, Washington. I went to Mead High School. There's a few, maybe one, Tim. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I came here to UW in 2006, and I studied international studies here. Graduated in 2010, and then interned with the Inn last year, and then was graciously offered a spot on staff this year as the interim student leadership coordinator, which I've done this year, which has been a blast. And uh, we have uh, a ton of momentum going into next year for that team, and I'm really excited. Um, But as Ryan said, I'm also kind of transitioning a little bit into a new role. I'm going to be taking on a missions uh, role here with the Inn, and I'll still be around, so don't worry. Uh, You'll still see me. I'll still be here on Tuesdays, and uh, we get to hang out still. But I'll have a, a different role. Um, as Ryan said, we've, we've kind of been going through a series on calling, and uh, we've looked at a few different stories, and um, tonight we continue that series. And uh, I want to start tonight by um, telling you guys a little bit of a story of, uh, from my own life. Uh, like I said, I, I came to UW and actually came thinking I was going to go into physical therapy here. And so I signed up for classes and quickly realized that I did not want to take those classes. Um, chemistry and all that stuff was just super boring to me. No offense to any chem majors out here, but uh, yeah, I realized that's not what I wanted to do. And so I, I kind of floundered for a little bit, and then uh, my sophomore year, I ended up deciding to do international studies. And uh, that decision was influenced a lot by the reality that I had, I had gotten into my head that what I wanted to do with my life was work for the FBI. Um, <laughs> If any of you know me well enough, you'll know that I, I just, I love puzzles. Like, I love the idea of, like, solving a case. Uh, and I thought that that coupled with the whole, you know, kind of working for the government and probably getting to do some traveling and, you know, getting to carry a gun, uh, which I feel like if you work a job where you carry a gun, something interesting is bound to happen at some point. And so that to me was like, this is going to be awesome. So I, I, uh, I got it in my head. That's what I wanted to do. And so I started taking classes around it. I started studying Farsi and all these cool things. And um, my junior year, I I came across this internship opportunity with the FBI, where I would get to go to Washington, D.C. to do an internship with them for a couple months um, and uh, live in D.C., work at the headquarters and all that, and it sounded sweet. And so I I applied to this my junior year, and uh, it was kind of a two-round process, regional interviews and then kind of a national selection. And um, I I got into the first round, so I had a regional interview downtown at Seattle, uh, at the Seattle office, and uh, after my interview, the two women who were interviewing me, uh, they were like, well, you know, we're not supposed to say this, but you're going to get through, and uh, I was pumped, because I was like, okay, I was like, these ladies liked me, I must have done something right, 
So uh, I left there just super jacked. I was like, this is going to happen. I felt, su- I felt really good about it. And uh, they were like, okay, you'll hear from us at Thanksgiving. So of course, Thanksgiving came, and I didn't hear anything. And so I was kind of like, oh, what's going on? Emailed them. They're like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll get back to you soon. So a month passed, and it was Christmas, and I still hadn't heard anything. And I don't know about you guys, but I, when the stuff like that happens, I get really just, I get frustrated. Because I'm like, I just want to know. And so I remember it was a couple days after Christmas, I was up actually camping on Mount Rainier with my uncle, who thinks camping on Mount Rainier in the winter is a fun thing to do. <laughs> and I was young enough to trust him on that. And so we were up camping, and it was, you know, just one of those days where you're not really, there's not much to do. It's just snowy and cold. And so I was sitting there thinking, and I just, I got to a place where I was like, ah, I don't, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I just want to know. And so I, I kind of walked off, from, you know, off to the side and just I said a little prayer, and I just said, God, I don't care what the answer is. I just want to know. Yes or no, I'm, I give this up. And so, I, uh, of course, we get down off the mountain. I check my phone first thing, and there's an email in my inbox, and the answer was no. And even though I had said I don't care what the answer was, um, I was crushed. I really wanted that internship. And when I found out I didn't get it, I, um, I was lost a little bit. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I remember I left my uncle's house and I was driving home. And the question in my head was just, why? Why would, why would God let me get so close to something that I wanted so badly to just kind of yank the rug up from under me at the last minute? I don't know. Why? <laughs> um, tonight, I'm here to talk to you guys about the reality that um, God's call for our life is a lot bigger than our own plans. And as we do that, I want to pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. Uh, I pray that you would uh, speak through me. God, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing up here, really, but I think you do. And you've, you've put me up here for a reason. So I pray that uh, whatever it is I have to say would be said, and that whatever it is that needs to be heard will be heard, and the rest of it would just be forgotten. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this place. Amen. So we're going to look at the calling of the disciples tonight in this series of calling. The title of this series is You Are Called, But It Is Not About You. And I love that title. Um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to, turn to Mark chapter 1. And uh, we're going to start reading from verse 16. Before we do so, I, I want to make a suggestion to you, though. Um, we're going to look at the call to the disciples. And that specifically in this context pertains to four guys. But I think the call we see here, the call we hear in this text is one that all of us in this room can take to, to kind of be a call in our own life. Um, whether or not you like the idea, you are a disciple. You follow Jesus. You're a disciple of Jesus. And so when we talk about the call to the disciple, this is a call that relates to you. So as we read this, pay attention. Starting with verse 16. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Let that sink in for a minute. This text is really rich. Uh, it, there's a ton that goes on, and yet it reads kind of like a police report. Like, this is what happened, and, you know, th- he did this, they did that, they did this. 
There's not a lot of backstory. We don't get a lot of the feeling for what you know, the emotion of this scene is. We just get, this is what happened. Great. Sounds good. Well, I think there's a lot more going on than what four verses would, would give you the idea. Um, and so what I want to do tonight, I think in order to, to understand what's going on here, we need to kind of dive in. We need to put ourselves in this text. And so uh, I'm going to paint a picture, and I'm going to ask you to follow along. So picture, you know, it's Monday morning, and you are just getting into work. You're a fisherman. And so you're just getting to your boat. Uh, it's on the lake, sunny day, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you had a long weekend, you're a little tired. Maybe you had some friends over, you had a party or something, you're a little hungover perhaps. And it's Monday, and you're not excited for work, but you're there. And uh, just as you're getting ready to step in your boat and go out and do your thing, there's this guy on the shore. And he's calling to you. He's saying something to you. You kind of, you know, you're like, what? And you look, and you, you notice, you, you know who this guy is. You've seen him before. You know his name's Jesus. You know that he's been around the area for a little bit, um, preaching something about the good news and the kingdom of God and repenting. And I don't know. I mean, maybe you went and saw him speak once, and you heard what he had to say, and you thought, yeah, it sounds good. But you never, you know... He never really had much of a personal interaction with him. But now he's, he's standing on the shore, just as you're getting ready to go to work, and he's saying, hey, follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. And I just imagine being in this boat with, I have a brother. And I imagine, okay, I'm with my brother, we're getting ready to go to work, and there's this guy calling to us, and I just imagine kind of standing there for a second going like, what? Like... <laughs> Me? Us? Are you talking to us? Is he talking to us? Who's this guy? You know, kind of just this moment of like, what is, what is he talking about? And I feel like as soon as it kind of sinks in that this guy, Jesus, who they've heard speak before, is calling to them, there's this moment of going, uh, okay, he's talking to us. And I feel like for these guys, there, there might be, there's, there's kind of this tension that, that comes into play here, where they, on the one hand, they hear this guy calling to them, and he's saying to come follow me, and they're like, well, no, it's... I need to go to work. I, need, I have stuff to do. This is my job. I can't just leave my job. I have a family to take care of. If I don't do my job, how are they going to, you know, how am I going to feed them, right? But on the other hand, I can imagine that these guys are probably standing there and they're kind of going, I mean, I don't know. This isn't, you know, it's my job, but it's not like it's my favorite thing in the world. I didn't necessarily want to be a fisherman all of my life. I just kind of did it because that's what, that's what I had to do. I don't know. I have a feeling that this wasn't their plan A in life, fishing for a living, but it's what they did. And so as this guy's standing on the shore offering them an opportunity to, to leave this behind, I feel like they're kind of wrestling with it internally. We don't get any dialogue from them. But I feel like they're at a crossroad. They have just come to a point in their life where their plans for the future have just intersected with God's call on their life. Jesus is on the shore saying, come with me, leave your plans behind and come with me, and I will make you fish for people. They're at a crossroad. I feel like I was kind of at that same crossroad, or a similar one. When I, when I found out I was rejected from this internship that I had applied for, I, I was you know, obviously crushed, and I, I came back, and it was winter quarter, and so at my first core group meeting after winter break, I, uh, I was back with my core group, and I was telling them, you know, hey... Didn't get the internship, pretty bummed. And, you know, they were like, oh, that sucks. You know, what are you going to do? And during the course of this conversation, one of the guys in my group just said, hey, why don't you do deputation instead? 
And for those of you who don't know about deputation, um, it's a cool program. We send people all over the world for two months over the summer to live and work. And uh, it's, it's quite an opportunity. And we go, we go to places all over the world. And this guy in my group had actually just been to India the summer before all this. And so I had heard about deputation from him. And I knew, you know, oh, yeah, it sounds cool. But when he, when he said this to me, my, my response was something along the lines of, you know, oh, you know, yeah, it sounds cool. But I don't, I don't think that's for me. I don't think that's in my cards this summer. You know, I felt like that summer after your junior year, right, is, is kind of that summer where you're supposed to go out and get that internship or that job that's going to then translate into a career after you're out of college, right? If you do well in that internship, they offer you a job when after, after you're done with school. And so I felt like that was what I was supposed to do. That was kind of the plan. And granted, my plan had been shattered already because I didn't get this internship, but I still felt like I could salvage something. I felt like there was a plan B somewhere in there that I could, I could make something happen even though it wasn't my first choice. And it was, it was a tension I was in between what, what I thought was responsible and what I, what I felt like I was being called to do. I was at that crossroads. And what I, had, what I had in that moment as I was at this crossroad and as the disciples are at this crossroad too, they have to respond. It requires a response. I think one of our generation's biggest um, problems uh, is that we're conditioned to plan. We grow up being told, you need to have a plan. Important people have a plan, so if you want to be important, you need to have a plan. The problem is that our plans for life will never compare to what God has has in store for us. We can't, we can't even fathom what God is going to have us do in life if we let him take control. And so, by very nature of not being able to even think of it, our plans will inevitably fall short of his call. When we get to this point of, of, of this crossroads, we have to choose between our plans and God's call. And I'm not trying to say that planning is bad. I'm not trying to say you shouldn't have plans. It's okay. But what I'm saying is that there's an inevitable, unforeseen turn because we can't predict where God is going to have us go. And it's at the moment that we will have to respond. So how did the disciples respond in this moment? The text says that they immediately left their nets and followed. And I don't know about you, but that's incredibly frustrating to me. (laughs) Because I, I look at this and I go... How are they able to just immediately leave their nets and go? This is their job. This is, what they, this is how they make a living. How do they just drop it and go follow this guy without even a question of, well, what do you mean? What are we going to do? Are we going to be able to make money? Are we going to be able to eat? What's my family going to do? You know, there's not, we don't get any of this. It just says immediately they left their nets and they followed him. How were they able to respond so quickly? That's my question. Put yourself back in their shoes, okay? Put your, you're back in the boat. You're getting ready to go to work. Jesus is on the shore calling to you, right? I imagine in this moment, the disciples are, are looking at Jesus, and they're, they're kind of holding their nets, getting ready to go. And, and in this moment, they look down, and they, kinda, they look at this net in their hand. And to them, this net embodies everything that they know in life at this point. This is their livelihood. This is what they do. This is what they're good at. And what they're being called to do is to leave this thing behind and to step into something that they they have no idea about. 
And they're standing there and they're looking at this net. And they're thinking, well, this net, you know, this net is security for me. But it's not necessarily what I want for my life. Right? I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen if I leave this net behind, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be better than whatever this net's going to bring me. And I have a feeling that this guy on the shore is calling me to something better than this net. And I think the reason that the disciples were able to respond so quickly is because they had the humility to recognize that they had the humility to recognize their own shortcoming. They had the humility to know that this net, this plan they had in motion, wasn't the best thing out there. And they were willing to leave it behind and follow. They drop their nets and they go. I wish I could say the same thing for myself. Uh, I didn't respond right away. I, wasn't, I didn't answer this call to deputation right away because I thought, like I said, I could, find, uh, I could salvage a plan B. I thought I had something better. I think the second problem I see with this, this conditioned, you know, this way that we're conditioned to plan is that when we have a plan, we, we have plan A, right? This is what we want to do. But as soon as that thing fails, we think, okay, well, plan B, right? We have plans on plans on plans. <laughs> and so <laughs> when, when one of our plans fails, we still think, oh, I've got it. It's okay. I've got plan B. I'll still do this, right? And what this does is, is, is when, when we hear a call, when we hear the call to whatever it is, and we're not necessarily sure that we want to live into that call, our plan B gives us a reason to think that we have something to negotiate with. I think one of the things that I'm confident in, though, is that God is not in the business of negotiating his call in our life. He doesn't act according to anyone's plan but his own. He's not open to negotiations, as they say. What he's looking for from us in our response is a simple yes or no. That's what he wants. And so luckily for me, I got to a point where I realized this. I realized that I didn't have anything better to do that summer. Whatever I was going to be able to salvage, it wasn't going to be worth it. A job making coffee somewhere. Sounds cool. Right? I mean, it's not bad. But when you compare it to the opportunity I was being called into to go travel somewhere for two months that I probably would never go to again, it didn't really, it didn't really match up. And I got to a point where I realized this. And so my response was yes. It was a delayed response, but it was a yes. And luckily, God was, was gracious enough to leave that opportunity on the table long enough for me to get there. What about the disciples? They, too, responded yes. We see that. And what was, what was, you know, what was the outcome for them? Well, they got to go and, and live and work with Jesus. <laughs> to literally walk beside God. And watch him work. They got to witness miracles that we wish we could witness today. They walked with him. They laughed with him. They cried with him. They were in relationship with him. Ultimately, for I think all of them, check my facts on that, what this really meant, though, what this led to in the end was death. And that kind of sucks. <laughs> Because what that means for us is that just because we, we accept the call doesn't mean it's going to just be rosy. 
doesn't mean it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns, right? Uh, there's going to be difficulty even on the, the road of God's call. But that's not something we need to concern ourselves with at this point. Because the choice we have now is, do we respond to God's call with a yes or no? The outcome for me was I said yes, and I went, and I, and I had a great summer. And I spent time walking in the places where... I, was in, I went to Bethlehem, by the way, on deputation. And so I spent two months living with a, a Palestinian host family and um, walking where Jesus walked and living in the midst of one of the most politically contentious areas in the world, which was super fascinating for me, by the way. <laughs> um, and it was awesome. And the thing I realized looking back now is it was so much better than anything I could have ever designed on my own. I responded to the call, and I said yes, and I stepped into something that was way bigger than anything I could have ever thought of for myself. And I think that's what happened with the disciples, too. They couldn't, I guarantee, they wouldn't have done the things that they did had they stayed on that boat. Had they said no, they would have missed out. But they said yes, and they got to live into it. So why is this important? Why am I saying this to you? Um, I think the reason it's important for us to know and understand that God's call on our life is bigger than anything, any of our own plans, is that we can, we can start to prepare ourselves for that crossroads at which we have to make that decision. For that crossroads where our plan and God's call intersect and we have to choose which way to go. I don't think there's much use in trying to avoid this crossroad, by the way, because like I said, we can't, we can't imagine what God's plan for our life is. And so there's not really much we can do. We're going to, hit, we're going to come to this point inevitably. There's not, not much use in trying to avoid it, but I think what we can do is, is um, excuse me, what we can bet on in this, though, is that the road of God's call is going to lead to something a lot better than the road of our plans. And we can start to prepare ourselves for this choice. So my question for you is, are you in a place where you're willing to let go of your own plans if God calls you to? Are you willing to acknowledge that you don't have it figured out? That's what everyone tells you you should have. You should have it figured out. You need to have a plan. What's your plan? Are you willing to step away from that and say, I don't have it figured out? Because as scary as that place might seem, I promise you there's freedom there. It's in that place... It's there, it's there where we have the opportunity to say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. You take over. And when we do that, God is able to step in and start directing where we go. But it takes us acknowledging our own, our own inability to lead our life. Friends, I, I want to encourage you tonight to consider how tightly you're holding on to your plans, your nets as you might have it. How tightly are you holding on to, these, to what you know because you're afraid to let go and step into what you don't know? If you're willing to let go when the time comes, I believe that you're going to live a life that you couldn't even imagine. A life fuller than anything you could plan for yourself. But if you're not willing to let go and you want to stay on the boat, it's not going to, I mean, God, God is still with you there. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you. 
God will be with you if you say no. It's okay. He still loves you. But what, you, what happens when you say no is you miss out. Where would the disciples be if, if they said no? We probably wouldn't know because they wouldn't have been written about. <laughs> right? Um, I think this is worth considering and, and just asking yourself, where are you on this? Because God's call is always going to be about something bigger than your own plans. Pray with me. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to come up here and and try to convey a message of hope. God, thank you that you have called us into something that's much bigger than we can ever imagine. Thank you that we, we can't plan in a way that matches your ability to plan. God, I ask for... Um, for all of us in this room to consider our plans and to, to get to a place where, as we, as we continue to live into these plans, that we are willing to say that these, these aren't the best plans for me. I know that. That we're willing to get to a place where we can let go of these plans if that's what we feel called to do. God, thank you for the life that comes with living into your call. Thank you for the reality that even if we, even if we say no, God, even if we're not ready to make that decision, you still love us and you're still there with us. And we don't have to be afraid of, of missing out on your love because it's everywhere. Father, I pray for all of us in this room to, to, to become a, a people who understand that your call is bigger than anything we can do. And as we get there, help, help us to have grace with each other and on ourselves. And we know that you have grace with us, God. So thank you for that. Amen.